All right. <clears throat> Notice he said, uh, he speaks on behalf of Josh Womble and him as far as the opportunities to preach, not me. I get nervous. But I do like the opportunity, but I don't quite uh, relish it the way that they do. <laughs> um, okay, get all this set up here. Um, I love getting to pray with our church. This is, that's awesome. And uh, I feel like it's something that, it's a good mark of a healthy church. We were talking about marks of, of healthy churches on Wednesday. And, um, and I, I feel like that, that is genuinely a mark of a healthy church that desires to meet, pray, and um, encourage one another and, and hear what's going on in their lives. And, and that's a major part of discipleship, really. And that, that's what I want to talk about today. And um, I titled this sermon, What is Discipleship? Because I feel like this, that's just such a churchy term. Um, and I, I fear that it's often used, but it's rarely understood. Um, but God's Word calls us to be disciples and to make disciples. Um, so we're going to be reading from Titus uh, chapter 2. And uh, while you all are turning there and we get ready to read that, um, I, I watched you and I want to share a story uh, that, that Jake and I heard from Ecuador. Many of you all know Steve and Carol down there and have gone and served with them and, and, have, heard, and have heard a lot of the stories that they um, tell. But one story in particular um, I, really sort of motivated me and, and really kind of led me to, to choose this as my passage. Uh, so Steve and his partner, they continually, they drive to this place, they load their canoe into the river, um, and then they sail down river, and they stop where they see communities, and they would share the gospel with them. And so they were just consistently going further and further down the river this way. Um, but one thing that they faced as they did it was a lot of persecution, um, and a lot of it from the Catholic Church. The, the Catholic Church there was very much threatening them. Um, many times had, had let the heirs out of their tire and, and done things like that, vandalized their car. Um, and they, they left them a note one time that, that said, uh, we don't want to catch you here again. If we do, uh, next time we're going to beat you up, we're going to break your canoe, and we're going to steal your car. And, um, and so Steve and his partner sort of sat down like, okay, well, we still must share God's word, so how are we going to do this? Maybe we'll, we'll be a little more discreet. Um, we're going to mix up when we go. And so they load up in their car, they go down the road, they're going back to the river to, to put their canoe back in. Uh, but on their way down there, uh, a group of men step out in front of the road and they're, they're all holding machetes and um, they start to approach the car and, and Steve leans over to his partner and he says, this is going to hurt. And sure enough, the, the, the men with machetes come and they knock on the window and they roll it down. They say, are you guys the Christian missionaries? And Steve says, yes, we are. The man says back to Steve, then why haven't you stopped to share the gospel with us? You sail up and down this river uh, every week, but you never stop to share the gospel with us. And, and, and Steve was startled by this, and he said, but, but where's your community? You know, we've been going down looking every time. And he says, well, our community's just, you know, it's just a 20, 30 feet in from the, from the bank, just right over there. And, and sure enough, Steve had never seen it because of how, because how dense it was, but um, so he, he, he takes them and Steve and his partner over there and shows them a community and, and Steve shares the gospel with them and then they accept it and the, the elders in their community believe in the gospel. And so Steve says, okay, well, I'm gonna come back next week and we're gonna start our discipleship. I, I wanna train you guys up in the word. 
And so sure enough, next week, they, they go back down to the same place. They go and meet them, and, and they start discipling them and growing them up through the word. But before they leave, uh, one, of the, one of the elders says, okay, well, will you come with us? Um, we want to go across the river. And then Steve says, well, why, why are we doing that? He says, well, after you shared and we believed, we realized that our, our sister tribe across the river didn't know. So we went over there and we shared the gospel, and there, now there's a church there. And, and, and Steve, and, and as he told it to us, we were just amazed that people who heard God's word, that they, they didn't just let it sit dormant, but they responded. And, and it was disciples making disciples. And so I share that with you um, because it, it really impacted me. And as we talk about discipleship today, I wanted to see three uh, main points in this passage. And that's disciples are believers. Disciples are believers. Disciples imitate Christ. That's the second one. Disciples imitate Christ. And third, disciples disciple. It's kind of confusing, but I know you get that. Disciples disciple. So let's read here in, uh, in Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 1. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slave to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled." Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may, not, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So I want to start off with our, with our first point here, that disciples are believers, and as we, as we sort of look at the, the whole context of, uh, uh, of the book of Titus, it's Paul writing to Titus, um, who is a pastor of this church. He, he's shepherding them. He's a believer. Um, and so it's, he's somebody who's already following after Christ. And we see in, in verse 1, towards the end, he says, To Titus, my true child in common faith. So he's calling him his brother in Christ. So so. Titus is a believer, but more than that, we see in verse one and two here, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. So he's uh, taking time in this small book. Titus is only three chapters, but he's taking time in this little book about, about church management um, and, ha- and how, how he should act as a pastor. He takes time here to tell him to, to disciple and to teach God's word to his people to teach and promote the kind of living that accords with Scripture, that accords with sound doctrine. And so he's teaching them to train up the church. And we also see, as you look in verse 2, it goes on, uh, old, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Although believers are called to missions, although they're called to go, but Paul here is instructing Titus to disciple believers. There's something different about, about going and evangelizing and then, and then coming and discipling somebody. Discipleship is for believers. 
And even look down, let's kind of skip down to verse five for a second where it says, he's talking to the women here, to be controlled, pure, working home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. Look what he says here, that the word of God may not be reviled. And if you have a different translation, it might say something different there, but all the words are very, are pretty serious. Some say that the word of God may not be blasphemed or mocked. And here it says reviled. And, and so that should, that should uh, draw our attention. That's a serious word. And so what is he doing? He's teaching them to honor God's word, to live according to it and to honor it with their lives. The church often comes off as judgmental. That's kind of the, the, the idea in society. And so one of, the reasons, uh, there's, one of the reasons that people think that is because, one, people um, in the church assume that everybody else in the church is, are mature believers. And, and, and so they, they expect them to act like that. But two, uh, the church often expects non-believers to act like believers, uh, and that, that's kind of what happens. We assume that people in the world, we get all upset because uh, non-believers aren't honoring God, but um, that's, that's why they're not believing because they choose to honor themselves and not God. And so we wouldn't expect, um, or I guess was ask a question, should we expect young men and women to be pure, uh, to, to, to be sober-minded, or for women to be submissive to their husbands? No, absolutely not. The world consistently pushes against those areas of God's word. But should we expect a believer to do that? Well, yes, of course. Discipleship for believers is essential. Why is it essential? Because, well, that, that takes me to my second point, and that because disciples are imitators of Christ. Disciples are imitators, of, they're believers, and they're imitators of Christ. And so for our, our call to worship, uh, we read verses 11 and 12, and, and although we'll, we'll get back to that here in a minute, I want you to sort of look there for a second. Look at verse 11. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. And so it's saying, what, what brings about uh, this training to live godly lives? What brings that about? Well, verse 11 says that it's the salvation of God that brings it. And so chapter two, um, as a whole, is sort of this how-to guide of imitating Christ with our lives. It's more than just a set of rules or a set of do's and a set of don'ts. Uh, this, this passage is calling believers to live according to sound doctrine, as verse one says, to live according to God's word. And in doing so, we imitate the word. We imitate Christ. There's passages that talk about this. Galatians 2.20, a lot of you guys probably have this memorized. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. If you're a child of God, then you imitate God. Paul, in talking to the Corinthians, says, Imitate me because, I, well, he's saying, Imitate me because I am of Christ. He's telling them to imitate him because he is imitating Christ. And so now seems uh, just as good of a time as any to remind you guys that we don't imitate Christ for salvation, but we imitate Christ because of salvation in Christ. And so that is a crucial thing that we cannot flip, we cannot reverse, because then we're stuck in legalism. We are imitate Christ 
because of salvation, not for salvation. We imitate because of salvation. And so disciples, their lives reflect their devotion to God. In verse 12, uh, I was reading in the NLT, and it, and it says that um, at, the, at the end of verse 12, um, when he says, uh, training to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and then instead of godly lives, it says, and living lives devoted to God. Disciples' lives reflect their devotion to God. Does the kind of, of life represented here in chapter 2 Does it look similar to your own? Does my life model this? Are we exercising uh, self-control, living wisely? Are we we filled with love and patience, as it says here? Are we being pure? Are we living with integrity? If disciples are believers and disciples' lives imitate Christ, then we must pause here and we must examine to see if our lives are imitating Christ, if our lives are imitating what it says here in chapter two. And if it's not, if there's no signs that our lives are being conformed into the image of God through the Holy Spirit, then that that should throw up some serious red flags. That, That should alert us or you can look at it this way, if, if a baby never grew up into a child or a child never grew up into an adult, that would be grave concern to us. We'd be really concerned about that. And so the same is true with baby Christians. We cannot be content to be baby Christians for our entire lives, and we cannot be content for our brothers and sisters in the church to be baby Christians. The good news is that God, in his sovereignty, has established through the Holy Spirit to work in his church in making us disciples. He's using his church to build us up, to grow us up from, from children in the faith, to be strong, to know God's word, to have roots that go deep. And so the call to Titus is to teach, and then the call to believers is to teach other believers. Just like in Ecuador, when, when Steve shared the gospel with the, the, the tribe there, they immediately went and told the gospel and preached the gospel to their brothers and sisters across the river. And this leads me to my last point, that disciples disciple. And there, there's two main uh, avenues that we disciple. One, and most importantly, we disciple through the word. But second, we also disciple through deeds. And if we look at the progression here that's going on in Titus, it's Paul, a believer, telling uh, or sort of encouraging and teaching Titus, growing him up as a shepherd, as a pastor. And then the progression there is Titus is, is teaching his people according to sound doctrine, as it says. But then it doesn't stop there, but he's teaching, uh, he's teaching the, the older believers and the older women to, to train the younger believers according to the word so that the word is not reviled. We saw that. We see this in verse three. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and it goes on. They are to be teaching the younger women. And Titus, as a, as a leader in the church, is called to teach the, young, the younger men the same way, to be pure, be diligent. 
And so God's word is crucial to discipleship. It is the food that grows us up in the faith. It is the substance to our, to our spiritual walk. We do not grow up um, just eating baby food, but we, but we grow up by maturing. And the same goes with our spiritual walk. We, we, we go into God's word, we read it, we pray through it, we sing it, we proclaim it. And as we do that, we, we grow up into mature believers. The Bible is how God reveals himself to his people. We know this. We know that God has revealed himself through his word, but it should mean more than that. It also means, uh, it's also the means by which he teaches us how to worship him. It's, it's how he teaches us how to obey him, how to pray to him, how to pray with others, how to fellowship with other believers. And so this is why we value preaching. This is why we value Josh getting up there and Jake and, and Josh Womble getting up and preaching to us. It's because the word of God encourages, it corrects us, it unites us. Turn with me to uh, 2 Timothy, um, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I've just lost it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. He says this. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For a time is coming, listen to this, when people will not endure sound teaching or sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves Selves, teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. It sounds a lot, sounds a lot like our culture today, doesn't it? Churches who have abandoned God's word, and they, they've, they've left and they, they just want to hear what they want to hear. And so without the Bible, what ends up happening is we disciple people into ourselves. We disciple people to be modeled after Joe and that is not what we need. If we uh, don't disciple through God's word, we lead them to, to pursue passions and myths. And uh, we lead them to pursue a God that looks an awful lot like us. God's word is the most important tool in discipleship. It is key. We must disciple through the word. But here in chapter two, he gives us more than that. We also disciple through our deeds. Look at verses six and eight. It says, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And then your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. We are to disciple by being a model, being Models, living lives that, that are devoted to God. And so you disciple when you, when you start opening up your life and you're letting people come walk alongside you. Uh, you're letting them see you pursue God. You're letting them see your weaknesses. You're letting them see your struggles and see you repent and, and, and trust in Christ. That's, how, that's, a, that's the other avenue that we disciple brothers and sisters is we let them walk with us in our life um, Mark Dever in his book on discipleship, it's the same guy that wrote the book that we read um, and we discussed on Wednesday. 
He writes in his book on discipleship that uh, there's this lady and a, a pastor's wife in the church, and she was trying to disciple a younger lady. And so she's, uh, she's a mom, has some kids. And so she has this younger lady come over to her house, and they're going to kind of go through God's word. But um, pretty much three times in a row, they, they never really get uh, get there because every time um, kids are running around, uh, kids are sick, there's chaos going on, the phone's ringing, uh, the husband's at work, and so it's just kind of chaos. And so one particular time, um, kids are having an episode, and, and so in the middle of, of cleaning up some, some grotesque uh, kid stuff, uh, she looks at the younger lady and, and she says, man, God must really love you to let you uh, see me like this. And, and that's the truth. That when we, when we open up our lives and let people see the nitty-gritty of, of somebody trying to pursue God, that's how we grow them up in it. And so we walk the walk. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. We let them see us struggle, but we see um, a, a, a sinful person repenting and trusting God. And Mark Dever also says this in his book. He says, discipleship is basic to Christianity. How much clearer can it be? We might not be his disciples if we are not laboring to make disciples. That's a tough word. And it's because, and I think it's because that there's, there's gospel truth in that. If we're not laboring to make disciples, we might not be our disciple ourselves. And I think that's because there's gospel truths hidden, and not even hidden, but the gospel truths in discipleship. And so as, as we end, uh, I want to, end by reading our call to worship again. Um, this is verses 11 through 15. And, and this is ultimately the crux of the whole passage. This is, this is crucial to the whole book. I think it, it all kind of lands here. Like I said, it's only a three-chapter book about um, church management, how, how to be a good pastor, how to train up the church. And I think it hinges on, on this verse here. And this is the why to discipleship. This is why we do it. This is what drives us to be disciples and make disciples. Look what it says in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. And so we are able to be disciples because Christ has brought salvation. We're, we pursue holiness because God, and because God was holy, our Savior was holy, and yet he went to the cross in our place. We labor to go and make disciples of every nation because Christ has, has come, taken on flesh, lived a perfect life, died, and was resurrected. And he's coming again to bring judgment. And so I'll close with this. Let us be a church that makes disciples as we eagerly wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us make disciples as we fix our eyes on Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word.
Thank you that you are continuing to, to show me and encourage me through it. God, I thank you for, um, I thank you for mature believers who, who took time to invest in my life. God, I don't think anybody here knows them, but I thank you for them because they took time to, to let me see how they live. They took time to correct me. They took time to train me. God, I, I know that, that here tonight that many of these, um, many of the, of the believers of this church have had people pour into their lives. And so God, I pray that that would encourage us and that would lead us to do the same. And just as uh, you're, you're working through Steve and that church over there who heard the gospel, went and shared the gospel, would that be us too? Would we be training up believers? Would we be pouring into them? And we do it all because you are great and, and glorious and you have saved us and you are making us into your image. A pure people, a church that worships you. So God, I pray that we would worship you with our um, thoughts, with our deeds, with the way that we live. And God, I pray that we would live on mission for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.